Hello friends, it's Phil and I'm talking from the studio today. Yes, my friends, I'm actually talking from the car studio. Uh, and if you listen very carefully, you'll, you may be able to hear the rain thundering down on the studio roof. Because, like every other day, more or less... For the last three months, more or less, it has rained. Rained, rained with the vigour that makes you really wet. Rain, kind of thing. Anyway, look, today the podcast is going to change its format slightly. And it's a format that's going to be evolving in the future. Now... I got thinking that wouldn't it be useful to actually talk on this podcast about useful stuff that you can do in the garden, that you can do on the lawn. I thought that might make a kind of a very, 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 very pleasant, different change to things. And let's just say, uh, to keep the podcast to its normal theme of straying all over the shop, it will do that as well. But, my friends, I thought I'd basically share with you some guiding insights into what a super fine lawn specialist, in my case, is doing. And actually just some general rambling around the gardening that can be done this time of year. If you're ever wondering whether or not you should go into the garden and onto the lawn this time of year, well, the answer is just simply yes. It's a perfect, perfect time of year to be in the garden. Now, here's the little secret that I'm going to share with you that is really obvious if you work in the gardens, if you work on lawns, if you work on fine turf. For the next, say, six to eight weeks, and that's not long, you know, that's not a long time. For the next six to eight weeks, there is this energy inside of all of us that work outdoors on the basis that we know that there is this very very short window where um you can get ahead of all the tasks that need to be done if anything there is a kind of a very balanced equilibrium around that getting ahead philosophy because this time of year is a great time of year to do all the jobs that you wouldn't do any other time of year when the main season erupts. And it is all about coaching and cultivating and growing and developing and fine-tuning growth. But for now, because we're in a kind of a bit of a wet, kind of dampy, kind of dormanty kind of period, even though since the 21st of December, the light levels have been improved by seven minutes a day yes my friends yesterday i even glimmered out the window of the office let's say the office studio and um it was very obvious to me that it was getting dark about half past four now probably a week earlier it was getting dark about half past two 
and you, the, the, the bright ones of you out there will probably realise that basically one week times seven minutes is not an hour and a half difference or two hours difference in time. No, it's not, but you'd be surprised how the extra light that comes in at the end of the day, on a bright day, just lingers for a substantial enough period of time that you feel the optimism of the next season coming ahead. Anyway, so in no particular order, I'm just going to run through a few things that are good to do around the lawn, let's say, primarily, and around the garden. Now, the first thing is, and if you haven't done it yet, go do it for the love of the lawn as opposed and actually the love of the patios and the love of everything else it's a really really good idea to go out and clear the remaining leaf fall and debris from the leaf fall period from around all of your hard standings all of your garden furniture your lawn everywhere and the reason behind this is several fold you know with your patio this time of year it always goes that sort of a greeny sort of murky kind of gray kind of browny kind of muddy kind of and you'll notice this particularly if you've got a dog that basically will bound in the back door with wet dark damp muddy paws well the reason why that is happening is because some of the leaf fall is degrading is breaking down and it's creating kind of a fine dusty sludge but actually there's also another thing that's kicking in which is the water sitting on the patios is just creating a bit of algae and a bit of algae that holds the dirt the dust that's in the air just makes everything dirty so it's a really good idea and if you haven't got one is to get yourself a leaf blower and blow all the remaining debris away. It's just a really, really cathartic, therapeutic, very advanced, best, brilliant thing to do that you will love yourself because you have done it. Now, the second thing is around the leaf thaw thing that is really, really, really important. This time of year, many of you will look at your lawns and go, God, doesn't it look sad? And that sadness happened probably when the leaf fall was coming down and the leaf fall was being left on the lawn. Now, as a little experiment that I have run over the years, and keep in mind that I've been doing lawn care and fine lawns and gardening, let's say, for 19 years, is if you leave leaf fall on your lawn, particularly a sycamore leaf or an oak leaf or an ash tree leaf the ash is always the first leaf to fall in my book and it comes down in it dumps because there is absolutely loads of leaf in an ash tree you have to clear the leaf fall away daily daily now the thing is Keep in mind that once the leaf fall has fallen to the ground, particularly certain types of leaf, they degrade and break down incredibly quickly. 
in some cases. Not in the case of an oak leaf, which takes an absolute month of Sundays to compost out. But ash leaves and sycamore leaves, it's almost actually, if I'm true to thought, a sycamore leaf, the moment that it falls from the tree, it's degrading. It's almost degrading and rotting before it falls. So when it falls and hits the ground, it's going to be rotting and therefore it's going to have membranes working on it that create diseases on the leaf and ultimately, if you're really, 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 really unlucky, and let's say everyone that leaves the leaf fall down for more than one or two days, you'll find that the leaf will start rotting the grass. Yes, my friends. So if you look out the window now and you look at certain areas of the garden that you've kind of not done that last leaf fall clearance that you should have done about three weeks ago, maybe you're waiting for the oak leaves to come down, which are really fibrous and are absolutely brilliant at creating breakdown, disease and killing off your grass leaf, let's say, then nip out quickly with the leaf blower or a leaf rake, a soft leaf rake, mind you, and clear the remaining leaf fall before it kills off your grass and makes it really, really sad and really patchy. And it will never come back once it's really sad and really patchy. So try and stop it from doing so. Anyway, so leaf fall clearance in any form, whether it's on hard standings, patios or furniture, it's a really, 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 really very good idea to do now while you've got time because there's little else to do. And I say that with a gentle caveat because there is always something to do. The more you understand the simplicity of fine lawn care, in my case, or in, in terms of making a garden better. The more you understand apple trees, the more you understand bulbs, the more you understand perennials, herbaceous plants, shrubbery and all the above, the more you understand it, the more you'll realise that the window for doing less becomes smaller because it's always something to do. Now, the other thing that came to mind, I was basically doing leaflets today and I was wandering around the gardens and it was evident to me that there are some people that know how to look after their roses and there's some people that don't know how to look after their roses. And let's just say, I always think that the best time to prune the roses is in the period when the rose growth is dormant. It's ended it stopped. Maybe, if anything, there's a little bud that has appeared as the guiding signal for where to prune. But let's just say, now is a perfect time, a perfect time to prune the roses. And my friends, if you do prune your roses, can I recommend that you prune them with vigour, prune them with assertiveness and prune them to within an inch of their life or a few mil of a bud. Um, and the reason why I say that is because far too many roses that I've seen whilst delivering leaflets in northwest London are gently pruned and the plant gets bigger and bigger and weaker and weaker. 
And there is an artistry behind fine rose pruning, a bit like fine lawn care. The more you understand it, the deeper you go, the more you can get from it. But this just say, if you prune your roses really, really well and really, really hard, it produces beautifully healthy roses at the right time of year. So it's worth digging into that. Do you like that little metaphor there? It's worth digging in to learning about rose pruning. But like now is a perfect time to prune the roses. Perfect in my book. It's kind of cold enough, dormant enough. Don't leave it too much longer to go pruning hard. So let's say leafal is a good thing to do. Rose pruning is a really good thing to do. And the other thing that I'm going to suggest that is a good thing to do, if the conditions allow, it's a really, really, really good time to cut in the edges on your lawn. And I've recently, let's just say this morning, I've been bimbling around northwest London doing a couple of assessments. And it's become clear to me, let's say, clear as an, you know, a mere observation, really, that over time, obviously, the lawn edge um, deteriorates, let's say, depending on the machinery you're running um, and the way the edge is ma being maintained. All too often, the edge can be maintained using a pair of edging shears. That's a nice idea. But let's just say, if you have a contract gardener, they may be streaming the edge. Now, that's not a bad thing either. But done well with the right equipment, streaming the lawn edge is quite easy, quite efficient, as is running a mower alongside the edge. But let's just say, on that one particular day that you strim it too hard and you strim it too firmly, you chew the grass up and you'll also chew out the edge. And the edge will become unmanageable to some extent. Now, the best thing to do in my book, actually, it's a really, really good time of year if it's not raining and if the soil is just about firm enough, i.e. has a nice purchase to it, as opposed to being soft and soggy. It's a really nice time of year to actually cut the edges in. It'd be a really nice, clean and straight job. It's also actually a really perfect time of year to put in metal edges. If you've ever thought about investing in a metal edge for your lawn, it completes the fine lawn appearance in my book. A fine lawn edge is cut to a metal edge. And the thing about a metal edge is it makes it a lot easier to maintain, a lot easier to create that perfect flat surface onto a perfect edge. Perfect. Oh, and by the way, the best edging to use in my experience, is Everedge. It's not the cheapest, but it is the easiest to install. Let's just say if you're going to do a little bit of a installation. If you're going to do a big installation, then there's lots of different options available to you. But if you're doing a little area, then it's really good. 
So anyway, um, drop the edges in. Yeah, that's a really, really good idea. And then you can kind of gently regrade the soil to get the levels quite correct. And then you can do a little bit of seed work. And on the question of seeding in winter, here's the thing I'm going to share with you. Not every seed is born the same, let's say. And the interesting thing about that statement is there is some seed that gets used by the professional industry and there's no reason to, why, to think why the professional industry can't support the domestic residential DIY industry a little bit more than it does. It's mainly to do with probably the, the volume of seed is the limiting factor. But there is some seed that gets used for cold seeding. And um, what is cold seeding? We are asking right so there is certain types of grass type that can germinate at around about five and a half six degrees five and a half six and a half degrees a very low temperatures and you'd kind of go well well i do go wow that grass type is a ryegrass and there are a couple of companies um there's one company actually that i use called germinal that produce this blended ryegrass of six different types of ryegrass and um, it's really good for cold seeding. The term cold seeding being seeding areas and patches of your lawn outside of the main season, technically when the ground is colder than normal. But keep in mind that germinal seeding will germinate at Five and a half, six and a half degrees. And today, in northwest London, uh, one part of the country, I'd say the ground temperatures at the moment are around about 10 degrees. So the good news is, if you are cold seeding your lawn or some thin parts of the lawn or generally looking to reset your lawn, then the temperatures, the ground temperatures at the moment are absolutely perfect for cold seeding. Now, the interesting thing about cold seeding, and let's just talk about this a little bit more, the origin of cold seeding and the reason why it's a good idea. So when you normally do seeding, and it's done during the growing season, let's say, anything that you are attempting to grow in the lawn is going to be competing for area and moisture and temperature. So the existing grass will be hunting feed, it will be hunting fertiliser, it will be hunting moisture, it will be hunting temperatures. The existing grass is going to be competing with the new grass. But in the cooler times of year, the more established grass is going to be more or less dormant. It's just going to be sitting there waiting for... Light temperatures to come up, ground temperatures to come up, bit of photosynthesis and away we go. But the new grass that's going to be germinated, that's going to be germinated by cold seeding, i.e. seeding in the colder conditions, that grass is not going to be competing against the established grass, which is brilliant, right? So therefore, if you've got thinner patches, if you've got a lawn that you need to reset, then actually cold seeding the lawn is a really, really good idea because the new grass seed, all it needs is a little bit of temperature, a little bit of moisture, a little bit of fertiliser for it to germinate successfully and establish itself before 
the existing grass competes against it. And I think that's the way to think about it, is cold seeding allows for uncompetitive new seeding to be done. And the reason why this is actually important, and the term has originated from the professional turf industry, is that there are certain playing surfaces, for instance, like grass tennis courts, and there'll be golf courses, da-da-da, which technically are being less used at this moment. Well, grass tennis courts not being used at all, but let's just say um, rugby pitches, football pitches, golf courses, they are being less used. So there is an opportunity at the moment that the professional industry is doing, which is taking advantage of the conditions to introduce new seed through cold seeding. Establishment before the competition begins. So it's a really, really good idea. And actually, as a little footnote, is if you're doing any seeding work, the best thing to do is you seed the lawn, you dress it off with either a topsoil or a compost. And if you are also doing it on a more comprehensive basis like I am, then using a germination sheet to cover it all over not only protects the seed, but it also increases the sort of the ground temperatures is very very the first few mil let's say of the ground where the new seed is waiting to germinate uh, it's going to improve the ground temperatures by about three degrees with a bit of germination sheet so this just say if the ground temperatures today are say about 10 degrees is actually if you put a germination sheet over the top is about 13 degrees and you know that extra three degrees is a whole load more temperature for cold seeding. So once again, it presents this little window of opportunity where you'd assume that the less you know, the less you do. But the more you know about less, the more you realise there is an incredible amount of stuff that can be done if you know more about less. As in the case is in the case of cold seeding. Right. So the other thing that came to mind that I'm going to talk about a bit is this time of year there's an awful lot of sitting water let's say and there's an awful lot of I get quite a lot of inquiries about drainage and I don't know where I heard this from but I reckon this is a really good guiding notion I heard that basically you don't have a drainage problem if the rainfall that lands in your garden drains to a condition that kind of stabilises the area within three hours. Three hours. Now, if you've got water sitting in your garden after three hours, you have a drainage problem. But let's just say it tanks down with rain, and you see puddles form on the lawn, and then you go out three hours later and the puddles have gone. It might seem a bit soggy underfoot, agreed, but that would indicate that the area is not necessarily not draining. It just indicates that you've got a bit of, say, too much water holding, which is very different to having a drainage issue. So this time of year, with the extraordinary conditions that we seem to be having over the last three months, which is lashings of rain, it does create quite heavy rain, well, does create quite heavy water holding 
for periods that are less than would be classed as a drainage problem. Just as a little footnote. So when people say, oh yeah, you've definitely got a drainage problem this time of year, why don't you hollow tile or aerate your lawn? Mm, the truth be it, hollow tile aeration on a lawn, does it really, really, really need to be done? I'd argue, having got rid of my aerator some seven years ago, which was a piece of machinery that I absolutely loved pulling out because every time I pulled it out of the van, it was a whoppingly massive bill to do the holotine aeration and the clearance of the cores, by the way, which actually is the way I used to do it. Um, the thing about it is, is that it doesn't solve the drainage problem if you have a drainage problem that lasts longer than three hours after a heavy downpour. Holotine aeration will not solve that. It will not solve that. You probably need much deeper, more extensive aeration and when I talk about much more extensive, deeper aeration, if you look at the machinery that gets used on football pitches, golf courses, da 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 da, it goes down as much as 400 to 600 millimeters. That is going well past the crust of the, the, the topsoil, well into the root zone and below, creating definitely a drainage alleviation kind of uh, activity so just be careful this time of year with the conditions that we're having at the moment at jumping to the thinking that you've got a drainage problem what we have at the moment is excessively heavy rainfall regularly and erratically heavy that's the problem we've got if it clears within if the lawn drains if the garden drains within three hours you haven't really got that much of a problem Generally, that's a general guidance. And I don't know where that guidance comes from. But I think it's a really, really good, really good guide. So in effect, with a lawn that gets a really bad downpour, that you kind of think's got a drainage issue, if you leave it for a couple of days and it doesn't rain, it can dry out and the conditions of the lawn can improve dramatically very quickly. Anyway, um, what else can I share with you on this fine day in the studio car well the rain has now stopped the sky is not blue but it's a it's time to get back out there Phil and do some more leaflets and stop gibbering and jabbering and chittering and chattering about um, stuff as I do Anyway, look, hopefully some of this podcast may have been slightly more informative and much more useful than previous episodes of Growing All Gardening. But if you're finding it useful, then maybe drop me a comment. Or if anything, it'd be really, really handy if you hit subscribe or follow the podcast. It kind of like it's a big indicator that maybe this is a, a worthwhile direction of travel for the podcast, talking more about gardening, uh, more about lawn care, more about fine lawn care, more about rose care and more about plant care and more about everything care in the garden and stuff to do, which obviously, based on the fact that this podcast tends to ramble, there will be lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff to do. Anyway, lot dear friends, as always, thank you for listening and um, 
I shall talk again soon, no doubt. But if I don't talk before the new year, happy new year. And may 2024 be uh, a bodacious year for you. Anyway, take care. I'll catch you soon. Much love. Bye.